0: Welcome to The Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shout-outs, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. Welcome back to Fracture Line, everybody. Today we're really happy to have on Dr. Ron Gross. Ron, thanks so much for joining us on Fracture Line. As always, we like the guest host to introduce themselves. Tell us a little bit about your practice and your practices and a little bit about what you're doing right now.
1: Well, I, I guess I should start by saying that the, uh, the key to my success is uh, one of my junior partners, uh, Andy Dobin, who now refers to me as a guy who's older than dirt. Um, I am uh, an acute care surgeon and trauma surgeon at St. Francis Hospital. Um, I did all my uh, medical training at NYU Bellevue. I did my residency there. And from there, I went up to uh, Norwalk Hospital in Norwalk, Connecticut. Got them to be the, brought them on as the first level two trauma center, ACS verified level two trauma center in Connecticut. In 1999, 2000, thereabouts, got a phone call from some guy named Len Jacobs, who asked me to join him at Hartford Hospital. And I went there in 2001 to be the associate director of the trauma program. Uh, It was at Hartford that Len and I uh, wrote the Advanced Trauma Operative Management course, which has now become a staple with the American College of Surgeons. In 2008, I was recruited to be the chief of the fledgling division of trauma, acute care surgery, and surgical critical care at Bay State, which, all kidding aside, is where I met, hired Andy Dobin out of his uh, MUSC fellowship, namely to start a surgical root fixation program because it was a goal of mine for probably about 10 years prior to that, and the roadblocks were insurmountable without some help. Uh, it is during our time at Bay State that Andy and I were able to carve, no, that Andy carved out, and I followed, um, <clears throat> into the development of the surgical rib fixation program. And when I left there and went to St. Francis, Andy joined me. It's been pretty exciting. It really has. I am I am about to, uh, at the age of 71, finish my career um, with people I love working with. And you, yeah, it just don't get much better than that.
2: So Ron, welcome. Glad Thank you're you. here. I'm, I wish we'd had, I'm surprised we haven't had you on before now, but I'm glad that we got around to it. Um, hey, can you expound a little bit on what those early unsurmountable obstacles look like? For many of us, we we avoided them, or we they've been so long ago we've kind of forgot what they were. But will you, will you outline a few of those? I think uh, probably the
1: first one was they'll heal, leave them alone. They'll heal. They always have. Nobody ever did it. People forget that the Egyptians a couple of thousand years ago used to bind chests to help them heal you know i mean to me that's external plating at the at the simplest of views um but once you got past that then there were the turf battles you're just a damn surgeon who does trauma you don't know anything about the chest you don't know anything about ribs well once we figured out that trauma surgeons are trained to deal with chest injuries then it was the thoracic surgeons and ultimately the credentialing folks at the hospitals that say well show us your experience to which i said well i don't have any experience that's the whole point of all of this we don't have the experience because it's been blocked for us so I, i think to sum it up it was they'll heal you don't know what you're doing. We don't have any evidence. Nobody's ever shown that it works. Get out of my office.
2: <laughs> How's that do? It? That, I can't
3: imagine that Dr. Dovan or you took that very well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad it's not so cha- it's challenging now because I think most of us wouldn't have had the moxie or the guts to, to persist in that in that environment. So uh, hats off to you, to you pioneers, to the pioneers.
1: <laughs> I, I think, I think you're one of those pioneers, Dr. White, forgive me for saying so and pointing out the obvious. Um, you know, there were also guys like uh, Don Trunkey, who's been espousing this for yeah. 50 years and Bill Long, who's been doing it for as long or longer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I said, I show up in, salt lake city to give a talk and and as i said before we started recording this there are walks in you and sarah ann and i felt like i was bringing Coles to newcastle um
2: <laughs> our journey was a little different we kind of decided to sneak sneak this operation into the into the repertoire and try to sort of divert people away from it oh don't look over there in that room i yeah that that there's nothing going on over there kind of thing i mean <laughs> I never really I never really had to confront someone and demand that they let me do it. So uh, I think it's interesting how that everybody's journeys is just a little bit different.
1: I almost got fired from Hartford when I tried to do it with the with those U plates. I'm not mentioning the company. But I brought it in and I tried to do a case there. I got called into the principal's office, and they said, "You do that again, and you come
2: here." <laughs> and that's when you turn around and say, "I hope you don't uh, have a car crash anytime." Don't we'll, we'll get year sick when I'm on. on.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so, Ron, that's a you know, as one of the founding members of um, of CWIS and and. Um, you know, you've been doing this a long time. What, you know, I encounter a lot of, uh, you know, I have a few senior partners, uh, who still to this day are, are some naysayers when it comes to, uh, your rib fixation. How do you, you know, you've been doing this a long time. You grew up in an era where this wasn't, uh, you were training era, where this wasn't a thing and now it's a thing and it's becoming more prevalent. Uh, you know, I'm seeing a lot more research about it. Uh, a lot more people are doing it. A lot more people are showing up at these courses cause they want to learn how to do it. They want to make it part of their practice. Uh, you know, what do you tell some of these older, uh, uh, these older trauma surgeons, maybe in a in a in a nice way, <laughs> um, that uh, this is this is up and coming?
1: Most of them are older than me, and they're probably out of practice or dead. But <laughs> I, I, I would call a spade a spade. Um, the good news is, the argument used to be: there's no research, there's no data, there's no information. Nobody's ever shown that it makes a damn bit of difference. So they'll heal. That's not true anymore. Um, What this organization in particular, but other organizations as well, and other centers as well, what all of this has shown is there is now data you can't argue with. There's information out there that has proved the efficacy of SSRF. Um, And it's across all comers, and I think especially in the older population, who would end up in real big trouble if they ended up intubated in the ICU and we wait for them, quote, to heal. Um, So the good news is, and and all kidding aside, a lot of the old timers have quit practice. They've retired. um, And the younger crew coming up, to them at this point, at least in a few percentages of the institutions across the country, they're exposed to this not all of them, but more and more academic institutions are exposing the residents and the younger faculty to SSRF, and I think that's made a difference. Uh, I can't say that it's considered standard of care across the nation, but boy, we're damn close to that.
2: When I receive some criticism or I hear about some that either criticizes us or the technology, I more and more try to Fool myself by think, thinking it's actually that that pushback has actually been a good thing for us.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think ultimately it has forced us to be rigorous in our application of the science and the way we teach it and the way we um, present data and and concepts at meetings. I think I think we've all been a little bit. Uh, I think that little a little bit of paranoia, a little bit of a persecution complex, has actually helped us develop in the right way. Would, would anybody agree with that or disagree? <coughs>
3: I think that's true. I think that kind of chip on the shoulder, you know, of, oh yeah, you don't think there's enough research? We'll show you more. You know, I think that's one of the driving factors, at least, you know, when we're planning, I know from the summit perspective, you know, that we keep trying to pack more and more time for science. And each time I think, well, we probably won't fill all these slots. And if so, we'll backfill with these other topics. And then we end up with more, you know, submissions than we have time for even when I think we've planned for more than we could use you know and and so I think the membership just keeps rising to the challenge you know and and I do think that's you know partly because they want to have the data to be able to prove what you know empirically what they're what they know from their patient experience.
1: I think the rigor with which the research has been conducted um, I know all of the crew who have been doing the studies are very, very focused on making sure it's done right. I mean, Andy Dobin is three of the most detail oriented people I've ever met. Um, and nothing passes by his radar without getting logged in, logged on, and vetted. And everybody who's done the papers with this society has done the same. And, you know, maybe it started out as a chip on the shoulder or paranoia. But now it's turned out to be pure dedication and commitment to science, to appropriate principles of research and practice. And and I think that 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 approach has separated this society from others. Now, we get our licks and we get criticized as the chest wall injury society because you don't know about anything else and you don't care about anything else and this is all you do, so, you know, really, we can't really trust you because you've already made up your mind. Well, yeah, we've already made up our mind, but we've done so because we have the data to show us.
3: Yes, I think your point is exactly on what started out as a desire to prove something has now created a culture of you need to prove it. If you're going to make a statement, you're going to need to prove it, you know, and I think that's one of the interesting things, again, that comes out at at the summit, when people make a statement, you know, then they have to immediately say, and this is the data, <laughs> you know? And, and so I think that, you know, what what was started, you know, back in the beginning of wanting more data created a culture of of really requiring that people come come prepared to discuss their data. And I think that's we think
2: that's very cool. For granted, so. Yes. Very proud of that. Well, and, and they also, if, if we didn't matter, they wouldn't keep taking shots at us. <laughs> I mean, if it's a lot of truth. If we weren't relevant, sure. Then.
3: Well, we are excited that you're here to ask you some questions about um, the Bill Long Award. You were the winner at the 2019 meeting in Santa Fe. Um, and right now we are accepting nominations. And we thought you would be a, a perfect person to talk about that, uh, that experience. Dr. Long and, you know, what he's meant to the industry. I mean, you've already mentioned him here on the interview, so that, that says, you know, speaks volumes in and of itself. But maybe you could tell us about, about the award.
1: So, obviously, Bill Long received the first Bill Long Award. And the following year, um, it's actually funny, uh, because I have always looked up to Bill. I've always looked up to Don Trunke, both of whom, had been huge mentors and very influential in my professional career and how I approached life professionally and and Don personally and, and now Bill personally. But I was doing a site visit at Mayo in Rochester with Bill Chu. I was on that site visit when you guys called me up to tell me that I had been given this award. I'm not embarrassed to say that I started crying. (laughs) I was so moved. And I'm standing in front of all these people at the site visit dinner with tears rolling down my face. And Chu looks at me laughing. He says, yeah, I knew this was coming. I said, you son of a (laughs) gun." There were three awards in my life that have moved me to tears. One was when the American College of Surgeons Committee on Trauma gave me the National Safety Council Award. The second was when I was given honorary lifetime membership to the IAF, International Association of Firefighters, Local 1426. And the third was getting the Bill Long Award because all three of those basically looked at my life and my career, and those three were the pinnacles of how I practiced for the last 45 some odd years and how I've tried to live for my life. So the Bill Long Award was, I mean, I can't even, I just told you how I felt when I heard about it. And then given that talk, I, I had no, i you know, I, again, bringing Coles to Newcastle, I'm supposed to talk to the Chess Wall Injury Society as a Bill Long recipient. What am I going to teach them? And Sarah said, well, you've been doing leadership stuff for a couple of years. Why don't you talk about leadership? So I, I, I did. Uh, I'm not sure I taught anybody anything doing that either. But just to be able to stand up in people that I admire so much and give a talk,
4: enough said.
2: Well earned, well deserved, and well delivered. Hell
4: a good yeah! Yep. Well deserved. Well,
2: indeed. Set the bar. Set the mark pretty high for us as we as we move forward and, and identify new recipients. It's just it's challenging because it's. Well,
1: I, I appreciate <clears> that. <throat> I keep on. To myself, and put my pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else.
2: <laughs> yeah, but how do you take them all? Do you take them all? You. you know.
4: My two-year-old daughter. My 2 daughter tries to put them both on at the yeah. same time. So. Yeah, <laughs> she's not very successful.
1: So that's what the Bill Long Award means to me. And I've I've been in touch with Bill on frequent. We we talk often. You know, unfortunately, Don's gone, but. Thank God Bill's here. Uh, mm. You know, I talk a lot. And that award is just the guys who get it after me and, and will continue to get it. I hope they understand just what it means coming from the members of this organization. Getting that award from CWIS is like getting the National Safety Council Award from the COT. You know, there's one guy who gets it every year. And it means a lot. It means a lot. We
2: need to, it needs a name. We, we, you, know, you have the Tony and you have the Oscar. We'll call this the bill. <laughs> the bill.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Sarah, Perhaps tell, us, so. tell, tell our, our listeners how to nominate someone for the bill.
3: Absolutely. So there are a variety of documents that you need to submit to nominate someone. So at least three letters of recommendation from people that um, have worked with that person. Um, documentation of research they've participated in, um, presentations that they've given, all of that can come from PubMed or, or other things that, that you can either pull um, off their CV if they provide that for you or that you can pull indirectly, collect all those documents and then submit them to the society um, for consideration um, and then as part of your nomination. And then the executive committee makes the, makes the final selection for that annual award you know, as, as Dr. Gross mentioned, you know, of course, Dr. Long is just such a, such a giant in the field. I think he's actually going to try to come to Charlotte um, this year. I know last year he was unable to make it. Um, just with everything going on with COVID and things like that, it, it was not um, a safe time for him to travel. But the most uh, recent thing that, that he and I have communicated about Um, said that he is going to to try to be there to Charlotte so this will be a a special year to have him there I love the photo of um, Dr. Long, Dr. Gross, Dr. Dobin all together you know with you with your your um, statue and you know that's just a really meaningful you know a really meaningful one so I think I think this will be a really cool year.
0: Well does anyone else have any more questions for Ron? Yeah, I do. Hey, Ron, um, November is kind
4: of an important month, right? Not only do we have NOFO, but uh, there's something else going on. You want to elaborate a little bit more about what we got going on coming out of the development committee? Well, I, I believe, as
1: I recall, we've got a little challenge. And I am hoping that as this challenge evolves, we can start bringing more folks into the fold with respect to the support of this institution. The development committee has met a couple of times, Um, I think, under the leadership of Brad Thomas. We're finally getting some momentum. We're looking to involve the leadership. We're looking to involve those outside of the organization so that we can grow the coffers and actually start working on building what we have to offer. To our membership, and so I uh, I do hope that it works. It's going to take a lot of work, by not just the members of the development committee, but I think from the executive committee. I'd like to challenge all of them to meet a certain bar of contribution over and above their membership dues, and I'm going to set that bar by kicking in 500 bucks. So I want to see them meet meet like it. it.
2: Oh, I like it. it.
1: As the former chair of the board of directors, I would like to see that organization step up to the plate and do something.
3: So I will tell our listeners one of my funniest Dr. Gross stories that during our 2020 CUS Summit meeting, in the business meeting, he threw down a challenge for people to... That he would match whatever was donated during that that hour of the business meeting. And I don't think you had any expectation for people to be so, gen, so generous or so maybe vindictive. I don't know. But suddenly, it was going up like thousands of dollars. And we got to the end and I was like, uh, Dr. Gross, are you sure you want to do this? And he's like, absolutely. Here's my credit card. And I remember thinking like... Oh man. It was by far our best fundraising campaign. Well, I'm not matching it. I'm just, I want them to match it.
0: (laughs) Let's be clear. Dr. Gross, that was an awesome episode. Thanks so much for joining us and for your time. Sarah Ann, you got some updates for the week for us?
3: I sure do. Um, So, as we've discussed, the um, fundraising campaign runs November 1st through the 30th. So keep an eye on your, your emails um, for the opportunity to, to be generous. Um, speaking of the opportunity to be generous, I would say, you know, right now we're in the discussion phase, um, negotiation phase with, with our industry partners about their contributions for the upcoming year. They're working on, you know, solidifying their budgets and things. This is a great time when you're doing a case and you have um, a representative with you to remind them how much you like CWIS and how you hope they like CWIS and that you hope that they will be supportive of the chest wall injury society in the upcoming year so that they um, have that direct connection as well. So always appreciate a good shout out. Um, As far as other things going on this month, the main educational activity, we're rolling it all in. We're making a big, you know, one big casserole of awesome um, with the November forum. So all of the normal educational activities Will be bundled in that one day, Wednesday, November sixteenth, from 7 a.m. Mountain to 7 p.m. Mountain. So it will touch all time zones, um, in terms of convenience for you know our European friends, our, our Asia Pacific friends. Uh, certainly, you know within the domestic United States, no matter where you are, you should be able to find content that that is in a reasonably acceptable time frame. And we have really cool panels, presentations just lots going on. So Wednesday, November 16th, please put it on your calendar. It's one long zoom webinar. So you can come in or out, uh, you know, predicated on the availability of your schedule. Um, and the other cool part is that it is completely free. It is a gift from the society to the membership and stakeholders. So register your team, you know, it share it with, with all of your team, ask them to sign up, and then they'll be able to, uh, as well, participate in the things that they think are, are of interest. Looking forward to seeing everyone online on the 16th, just a few weeks away.
0: Outstanding. All right, let's move on to the final stitch. Who's got one? Who wants to go first?
3: Yeah, I'll go
2: first again. Um, just really looking forward to a trip to South America next week. Uh, I'm going to have a chance. Zach and Sarah and I are going down to the Pan American Trauma Society. And we're going to have a chance to have some meetings with that organization to discuss future collaborative efforts and an excellent opportunity to see four of our favorite South American members. uh, Well, three, Marcel Quintero, Mauricio Velasquez, and Jogo Garcia will be there.
4: I was just going to say that, you know, it's uh, end of October. The holiday season is upon us. Uh, You know, I'm just uh, wishing everyone a great holiday season. I know it's early, but uh, I love this time of year. You got Halloween followed by thanksgiving followed by christmas and hanukkah it's just a just a great time of year so um uh enjoy it with your family and friends hope you get some uh, opportunities to do so and um yeah that's uh that's just been on my mind uh this last week as uh the leaves turn
0: brown and um it gets colder here in the midwest sweet i'll go i uh i just booked a trip for japan this year for skiing. i'm pretty stoked about it so Any SeaWisp members that want to join me in Japan, we're going to do Seko and some other areas, just deep pow, fun stuff, mom and pop type stuff, some skinning and skiing. But if anyone wants to go, you hit me up. It's going to be a cool crew. That sounds
3: like one of those cold weather activities I don't participate in, but you have a good time. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. (laughs) All right, I will go next. I um, had the opportunity, and I'm using maybe air quotes in saying that. Um, to get both my flu shot and my COVID shot, one in each arm yesterday, so I have some stiff arms today, <laughs> and uh, and feeling just a little bit under the weather, but grateful for uh, grateful for the opportunity, and looking forward to uh, you know being stronger stronger by the minute. So, and feeling better soon, hopefully. So that's good yay for for, uh, vaccinations. And if you haven't had yours yet, they say that the flu this year is going to be a bear and that it's coming early. So I'm sure, you know, most of our listeners are are required by their health systems to to have flu shots um, and COVID boosters and all of that. But encourage your friends and family. I already got my parents signed up for tomorrow and you know, I got got everybody checking off the the list. So what
2: about what about Shagles vaccine, Sarah? You're in that demographic now.
3: <laughs> you are <laughs> Ooh, what I was gonna say, Tom. You might wait. Uh-huh. That's yeah. a, that's yeah. a fifty
0: plus group, isn't it? It is, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, we're not gonna let this die, are we? <laughs> no, we're not gonna let this die. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you very little. You got a cat,
0: you got shingles boostered now. You're ready to go.
3: You are so, you know, I, I have neither of those things to be clear <laughs> with our listeners.
1: All right.
2: Hi, Ron. Final.
1: Well, so Zach cracks me up because a couple of days ago, my wife began decorating the house for Christmas. We make Yankee Candle look like an amateur hour around. You got me hanging lights all over the place and outside wreaths. So I would agree that the holidays are about coming. November, in addition to our challenge, November also features Veterans Day. And I would encourage everybody to remind their friends to thank of that. Lastly, I am very proud to talk about the McSwain Trauma Education Project. Uh, I'm sure most of you know who Norman McSwain was. He was uh, a giant in the world of trauma. He was the chief of charity. Um, And after his death, his daughter, Mary, started the the McSwain Charitable Endowment Fund, and out of that grew the McSwain Trauma Education Project. Uh, They give a lecture the third Thursday every month. The first national McSwain trauma Education Project was in in, uh, Oklahoma City two weeks ago, and the first international conference will be in Cancun on December 2nd, and Mary has asked me to give the keynote speech and give one other talk. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, And my wife's actually going to come to a conference with me because there is a beach. (laughs)
3: <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> yes, that is a smart lady. So right after
1: that I'm going with Steve Smith, for the Army Navy game. Wow.
3: That's awesome.
0: woohoo! nice. Hope army,
1: beat navy.